Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. You are listening to the Bellarmine Forum podcast. This is a devotional episode, so it won't have a number. And we're going to talk around this time in Byzantine churches for centuries and centuries and centuries. Story of one of the greatest penitents that's ever lived is told. You may have run across it on the website before, but as part of the devotional offerings on the Bellarmine Forum podcast, we're going to hear the story of St. Mary of Egypt. Now, one of the things that's important, when we make confession, we must do penance. And that is partly making satisfaction for our sins. Penance is a required action according to the old catechism, of worthy reception of the sacrament of confession. Says St. Augustine, accuse thyself and God will excuse thee. Excuse thyself and God will accuse thee. That's the beginning of confession, is naming the sins. The second part is making amends, making reparation, making satisfaction for the things that we've done wrong, the errors we've made. And that's what St. Augustine adds when he says, chastise thyself if thou wouldst not have God chastise thee. We're going to hear the story of somebody who took these words to heart. On the Bellarmine Forum website, uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. You'll see Father Hardin's talk on Lent and penance, the necessity of penance, And he gives his seven rules of penance. Highly popular this year. We put that up five years ago, and it's had double the traffic this year, tens of thousands of views than it did for the years prior. Very popular. Follow the link if you haven't seen that yet, or look at it again. But when we talk about penance, the good thing in the church is we always have an example of a person. Our whole church starts with the example of Jesus Christ, a person. I think, and the old catechism would agree because it names her by name, our example of penance is exactly who you'll hear about today, St. Mary of Egypt. You know, when I read that, uh, just as a little prep, when I went back to the catechism explained and looked at the worthy reception of the sacrament of penance, uh, it's been trending. People have been looking at that uh, uh, at that entry in the catechism a lot lately, it's, which is a good sign to me. I mean, people are thinking about penance. It mentions in the, you know, today when you go, you might get a few Hail Marys, maybe a couple of Our Fathers. And if you get a really exotic confessor, maybe he might even tell you to say a decade of the rosary or say the whole rosary. In previous times, something as penances, and it, it, it would be months Months of fasting on bread and water. Uh, Maybe you're not allowed to receive communion for a while. Things like that. But then, the height of the example is that many penitents would withdraw from society and go live in the desert. That was St. Mary of Egypt. What follows is a story of her life after penance, near the end of her life. We get a glimpse into her and her confessor. And I challenge you, every time I hear this story, 
even hearing myself read it, which today is me having read it in church two years ago. There's always something new with the story. I can hear it every year and something else strikes me. I think you're going to find that to be the case too. Whether it's her interaction with Father Zosimus or Father Zosimus's interaction with her, you'll learn something. You'll get a new example of a new height to aspire to. I mentioned that the story's been read in Byzantine churches for centuries, and you'll soon understand why. There's always something good here, just as the study of all saints. There's a lot of fruit. God blesses her life. God has blessed us with this story that we could learn from her. And if you wonder, maybe you're still resisting the idea of penance. I'm not telling anybody listening to this that they need to go out in the desert as she did. But the Council of Trent highlighted the need. It said the whole life of the Christian ought to be a perpetual penance. That's the Council of Trent in the 14 Canon 9, I think. Learn from one of the greatest penitents here with St. Mary of Egypt. And I'll link also to the Catechism Explained article on the worthy worthy reception of the Sacrament of Penance. Good stuff in there. even talks about how to go to confession well, but it talks about penance, doing penance, why you'd want to do penance. But I'll let this story you're about to hear tell you. One of the things I want to leave you with, just again, if you're just thinking, oh, penance, penance, penance. Besides the angel of Fatima saying penance, 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 as I said it there, I thought of him. One of the things that is beautiful in God's plan for the redemption of us after the fall, penance not only serves the purpose of making satisfaction for things we've done wrong, but it earns rewards in heaven. So doing good penance, doing it to please our Lord, doing it to make satisfaction to our Lord who died for our sins, earns you a higher place, a higher station, more rewards in heaven. I mean, How can you lose? That's perfect, right? St. Mary of Egypt, pray for us. And now listen to this story recorded in 2017. It is good to keep close the secret of a king, but to reveal gloriously the works of God. This is what the angels said to Tobit after the miraculous healing of his eyes from blindness. After all the dangers through which he had led them and from which he had delivered him, because of his piety. Not to keep the king's secret, that is dangerous and fearful matter, but to keep silent about the miraculous works of God, that is dangerous for the soul. That is why, moved with dread at keeping silent on the things of God, and remembering the punishment promised to the servant who took the talent from the Lord, buried it, and fruitlessly hid what had been given him to work with, I will not be silent about the holy story which has reached us. No one should have any doubts in believing me, for I am writing what I have heard, and no one should think in astonishment at the magnitude of the miracles that I am inventing fables. God deliver me from lying or falsifying an account in which his name comes. But it seems to me unreasonable to think basely and unworthily of the majesty of the incarnate word of God and not to believe in what is told here. 
If, however, such readers are found of this narrative who are so overcome by the miraculous nature of the account that they will not wish to believe in it, may the Lord be merciful to them. For they consider the infirmity of human nature and think that miracles related of people are impossible. But now I shall start on my tale of events which took place in our own time, as they were disclosed to me by a pious man experienced from childhood in godly word and deed. They must not try to justify their lack of faith on the grounds that such miracles cannot happen in our own generation. For the grace of the Father flowing from generation to generation through holy souls makes friends of God and prophets as Solomon teaches. But now it is time to begin this holy tale. In the monasteries of Palestine there lived a man renowned for his way of life and gift of words. From the days of his infant swaddling clothes, he was reared in monastic trials of asceticism and good works. The name of the elder was Zosima. But in spite of his name, no one should think that I am referring to that Zosima who was at one time accused of unorthodoxy. That was quite another Zosima. There is a great difference between them, although they shared the same name. This Zosima was orthodox from the very outset. When he started his work in one of the monasteries in Palestine, and having passed through every kind of trial, became experienced in every kind of countenance. He observed in everything the rule handed down from our teachers for those participating as spiritual athletes. And he added much of his own thought, seeking to subjugate the flesh to the soul. And he never slackened in his aim. The elder became so renowned for his spiritual life that many from nearby and indeed from distant monasteries, frequently came to him to find in his teaching a pattern and rule for themselves. Yet, however much he labored in active love, the elder did not fail in his concern for the divine word, whether he was lying down or getting up or holding his work in his hands. For this was his food. If, however, you wish to know on what kind of food he fed, then know he only had one occupation— unflagging and unceasing, ever praising God and meditating on the divine word. Frequently, so they say, the elder was deemed worthy of divine visions, illuminated from on high. According to the word of the Lord, their bodies cleansed and ever sober, they will see with the unsleeping eye of the soul, visions illuminated from on high, having in them the pledge of the bliss awaiting them. Zosima used to tell how, When he was hardly weaned, he was placed in the monastery where he lived until his 53rd year, following a life of ascetic labor. It was then, as he himself said, that he began to be tormented by the thought that it seemed as if he had attained perfection in everything and needed no teaching from anyone. And so, according to himself, he began to reason with himself, Is there a monk on earth capable of affording me benefit or passing on to me anything new, some kind of spiritual achievement of which either I do not know or in which I have not succeeded? Can there possibly be found among the wisdom-loving men of the desert one surpassing me either in active life or in contemplation? The elder was reflecting like this when someone stood before him and said, Zosima, you have worked valiantly within the measure of human strength. You have valiantly completed the ascetic way, but no one among human beings has attained perfection and the ordeal ahead of the, 
the man already perfect, is greater, although you do not know this. And so that you might know how many are different way, how many are the different ways to salvation. Leave your native land, out of your father's house, as did Abraham, glorious among the patriarchs, and go to the monastery near the river Jordan. Immediately, obedient to the command, the elder left the monastery where he had worked since childhood days, and having reached the Jordan, the sacred river, he set out along the road, leading him to the monastery to which God had sent him. He knocked with his hand on the door of the monastery and saw first of all the monk doorkeeper. He took him to the abbot. The abbot received him, saw the piety of his appearance and behavior, for he made the customary prostration, bowing down according to monastic rule, and said the customary prayer and asked him, Where have you come from, brother? And what is your purpose in coming to humble old monks? Zosima answered, There is no need to say where I have come from, but I have come for spiritual benefit. I have heard a great deal to your renown and praise which could draw a soul nearer to God. The abbot said to him, God alone, who heals human infirmity, will reveal, brother, to you and to us his divine will and teach us how to do what is proper. Man cannot help man unless constantly, constantly and soberly each brings his own attention to bear on what is right and proper, and God has as his fellow worker in his labor. But if, as you say, it was love of God that moved you to visit us humble old monks, stay with us, and the Good Shepherd will nourish us all with the grace of the Spirit. He who gave his life for our redemption and who knows his sheep by name, so spoke the abbot. And Zosima again prostrated, implored his prayers, and said, Amen, and remained to live in the monastery. There he saw elders, glorious in active life, in contemplation, fervent in spirit, toiling towards the Lord. Their singing was unceasing, their vigil all night. Work was always in their hands and psalms on their lips. There was no vain word, no thought of worldly matters. Prophets calculated yearly, anxieties of worldly labors were unknown to them, even by name. But for them all, there was only one concern, to be in the body as in a corpse, to die entirely to the world and everything that is in the world. They did not lack the food of divinely inspired words. They nourished their bodies only with what was essential, bread and water, for each one burned with the love of God. On seeing this, according to his own words, Zosima was highly edified, striving forward, hastening his own personal race, for he found fellow workmen for himself who were skilled in refurbishing God's garden. Some days passed, and the time came near when it is ordained for Christians to keep the holy fast, preparing themselves for the worship of the divine passion and resurrection of Christ. The gates of the monastery were always kept closed to allow the monks to work in peace. They were only opened when a matter of utter necessity forced a monk to leave the enclosure. The place was a desert, and not only out of reach for most of the neighboring monks, but even unknown. The monastery observed a rule, because of which I think God led Zosima there. What the rule was and how it was kept, I shall now tell you. On the Sunday, which gave its name to the first week in Lent, the divine mysteries were as always celebrated in a church, 
and everybody partook of the most pure and life-giving mysteries. And according to custom, they also ate a little food. After this, they all assembled in church, and having prayed fervently with prostrations, the elders kissed each, kissed each other and the abbot, embracing and bowing deeply, and they asked each other to pray for them and support and share with them in the coming conflict. <clears throat> then, last of all, the monastery gates were opened, and singing in harmony the psalm, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom should I fear? The Lord is my refuge, before, before whom should I tremble? And so on. In due order, they all went out of the monastery. They left one or two brothers in the monastery, not to guard their property. There was nothing there to attract thieves. But so as not to leave the church without services. Each one took food with him, whatever he could and wanted. One carried a little bread because of his bodily needs, another figs, another dates, and another grain steeped in water. The last one at the end had nothing except his own body and its tattered clothing. And when nature demanded food, he fed on whatever grew in the desert. But for all of them, there was one rule and command inflexibly observed by them all, not to know about one another, how the others were living and fasting. They crossed the Jordan at once and then parted from each other over the wide expanse of the desert, not, and not one approached another. <clears throat> if, however, one did notice a brother from afar coming towards him, then at once he turned aside. Each one lived by himself and with God, singing songs all the time and hardly touching his food. After passing all the days of the fast like this, they returned to the monastery the Sunday before the life-giving resurrection of the Savior from the dead. When the church is established that the feast with palms should be celebrated as the pre-feast, each one returned with the fruits of his own conscience, knowing how he had labored and of which labors he had sown seeds in the ground. And no one asked anyone else how he had, how he had succeeded in the trial he had set himself beforehand. This was the rule of the monastery, and it was observed so very strictly. Each one of them battled in a desert against himself before the judge of the battle, God, and he did not seek to please people or fast before their eyes. For whatever is done for the sake of people, for the sake of pleasing human beings, not only is of no benefit, but can lead to severe punishment. And so Zosima, according to the rule of that monastery, crossed the Jordan, taking a little food with him for the journey for bodily necessity and the poor clothes which were on him. And he kept to the rule, walking through the desert and allowing time for food as nature demanded. He slept at night lying down in the ground and sleeping for a very short time whenever he happened to be at the evening hour. And in the morning he set out anew on his way, burning with a never-weakening desire to go further and further. As he himself said, something struck into his soul so that he should go deep into the desert. He hoped that he might find some father living there who could quench his longing. And so he went on tirelessly, as if he were hurrying towards some well-known inn. He had already walked for twenty days, when at the sixth hour he stopped, and turning to the east, said the customary service. He always interrupted his journey at the fixed hours of the day, and rested a little from his labors, standing, singing psalms, or praying on his knees. 
And as he sang, not turning his eyes away from heaven, he saw on the right from whom he from when he stood a shadow as of a human body. At first he was troubled, thinking he saw the appearance of a devil, and he even shuddered. But protecting himself with the sign of the cross and driving away fear, his prayers were now finished. He looked and he saw in actual fact some kind of being, walking along at midday. It was naked, its body black as if scorched by fierce heat of the sun. The hair on the head was white as wool and not long, coming down not lower than the neck. On seeing it, Zozima, as if beside himself with great joy, began to run in the direction in which the vision was going away. He was rejoicing with an unspeakable joy. Throughout all these days, he had not once seen a human face, nor a bird, nor beast of the earth, not even a shadow. He was trying to find out who it was who had happened, who had appeared to him, and from where, hoping that some great mystery would be open to him. But when the apparition saw Zosima approaching from afar, it began to run quickly into the depths of the desert. And Zosima, forgetting his old age, not even thinking of the difficulties of the way, tried hard to catch up with the fugitive. But as he caught up, it ran away. But Zosima ran faster, and soon he drew near to the fugitive. When Zosima ran near enough for his voice to be heard, he began to shout, wailing with tears, Why are you running away from an old man, a sinner? O servant of the true God, wait for me, whoever you are. I beseech you in the name of God, for whom you live in the desert. Wait for me, infirm and unworthy as I am. I beseech you in the name of your hope for a reward for your labor. Stop and grant me, an old man, a prayer and blessing for the sake of the Lord who despised no one. So Zosima spoke with tears, and they both ran on to a place that looked like the bed of a dried-up stream. But it does seem to me that there never had been a stream there. Where could a stream have come from in that land? But that the ground there had that appearance naturally. When they reached that place, the the fugitive went down and then up on the other side of the ravine. Zosima, exhausted and incapable of running any further, stopped on this side, intensified his tears and weeping, which could already be heard to close, could be heard close to. It was then that the fugitive spoke, Father Zosima, forgive me for God's sake. I may not turn round and face you. I am a woman and naked, as you see with your, the uncovered shame of my body. But if you wish to fulfill one prayer of a sinful woman, throw me your coat so that I can cover my woman's weakness and turn to you and have your blessing. At this, dread and distraction fell on Zosima. According to his own words, when he heard her calling him by name Zosima. But being a man of keen intelligence and wise in the ways of God, he understood that she would not have called him by his name, never having seen or heard of him before, if she had not been enlightened with the grace of insight. Immediately he obeyed her request, and taking off his old and torn monastic cloak, he threw it to her. He turned away, and she took it and partially hid the nakedness of her body. Then she turned back to Zosima and said, Why did you want to see a sinful woman, Zosima? What do you want to learn from me, or see that you were not afraid to undertake such a heavy task? 
He knelt down and asked her to give him the customary blessing, and she also prostrated. So they lay on the ground asking each other for a blessing, and only one word could be heard from either of them, bless. After a long time, the woman said to Zosima, Father Zosima, it is proper for you to bless and say the prayer. You have the dignity of the office of presbyter. For many years you have stood at the holy table and offered the sacrifice of, divine, of the divine mysteries. This plunged Zosima into yet greater dread. The elder trembled and was covered with a deathly sweat. He groaned and his voice broke. But at last he said to her, breathing with difficulty, O gracious mother, it is clear that all your life you have dwelt with God and have nearly died to the world. The grace given to you is clear. You called me by my name and recognized me as a presbyter, never having seen me before. Grace is recognized not by office, but spiritual gifts. Therefore, bless me for God's sake and pray for me who need your intercession. Then, yielding to the wish of the elder, the woman said, Blessed is God who cares for the salvation of people and souls. Zosima answered, Amen. And they both rose from their knees. The woman said to the elder, Elder, why have you come, man, to me, a sinner? Why did you want to see a woman stripped of every virtue? But was it the grace of the Holy Spirit which brought you to fulfill a certain service for me in good time? Tell me, how is Christendom? How does the church pasture? Zosima said to her, Through your holy prayers, O Mother, Christ has given lasting peace to all. But accept the unworthy request of an old monk, and pray for the whole world, and for me, a sinner, that my wandering through this desert should not be fruitless. She answered him, It is proper for you, Father Zosima, having the office of priest, to pray for me and for all, for that is what you have been called to. But as we must be obedient, so I shall willingly do your bidding. With these words, she turned to the east and raising her eyes to heaven and stretching up her hands, she started to pray in a whisper. Separate words could not be heard so that Zosima could not understand anything of her prayers. According to his words, he stood in fear, looking down on the ground and not saying a word. As he swore, bringing God to witness, that when her prayer seemed long to him, he raised his eyes from the ground and looked. She had risen a cubit from the ground and was standing, praying in the air. When he saw this, an even greater dread seized him, and not daring to utter anything from fear, he fell on the ground, only repeating over and over again, Lord, have mercy. As he lay on the ground, the elder was troubled with the thought. Could this not be a spirit? And the prayer false. But the woman turned round and raised a finger and said, Why are your thoughts troubling you, Father, deceiving you about me that I may be a spirit and my prayer false? You must know, man, that I am a sinful woman, although protected by holy baptism. And I am no spirit but earth and ashes, one flesh. I make no pretense of anything of a spirit. And with these words she protected herself with the sign of the cross, brow and eyes, lips and breasts, saying, May God, Father Zosima, deliver us from the evil one and from his wiles, for his battle is great against us. Hearing and seeing this, the elder fell on the ground and in tears embraced her feet, saying, I implore you in the name of Christ our God, born of a virgin, 
For whose sake you clothed yourself in this nakedness? For whose sake you so wasted your flesh? Do not hide from your servant who you are and where you come from, when and how you came into this desert. Tell me everything that the wonderful works of God may be made manifest. Wisdom hidden away in secret treasure, what profit is in them? Tell me everything, I implore you. For you will not be telling me for vainglory or praise, but to reveal the truth to me, a sinner and unworthy. I believe that God, for whom you live and whom you serve, brought me here into the desert for this purpose of revealing the way of the Lord concerning you. It is not in our power to oppose God's providence. If it were not pleasing to Christ our God to reveal you and what you have achieved, he would not have allowed anyone to see you, and he would not have given me the strength to accomplish such a journey, I who never wished nor dared to leave myself. Father Zosima said a great deal, but the woman raised him up and said, I am ashamed, my father, to tell you the infamy of my deeds. Forgive me for God's sake, but as you have already seen my naked body, I shall also lay bare before you my deeds, so that you know with what shame and contrition my soul is filled. It was not because of vainglory, as you thought, that I ran away from you, not wishing to tell you about myself. What have I got to be vainglorious about having been chosen as the vessel of the devil? And I also know that when I begin my story, you will run away from me as a man runs away from a snake. Your ears will not bear to hear the vileness of my deeds. But I will tell you, and I shall not keep quiet about anything, imploring you, first of all, ceaselessly to pray for me that mercy may be found for me on the day of judgment. The elder wept unrestrainedly, and the woman began her story. My native land brother was Egypt. Already during my parents' lifetime, when I was 12 years old, I had renounced their love and went to Alexandria. <clears throat> How there, at the outset, I destroyed my virginity. How without restraint and insatiably, I gave myself up to lust. It is shameful even to remember. It is more seemly to tell it briefly so that you should know of my passion and sensuality. For nearly 17 years, forgive me, I lived as a fire for the public depravity, but not at all for money. I am telling you the honest truth. Often, when they wanted to give me money, I would not take it. I did this to make myself available for as many as possible. I wanted to do it, and I did it for nothing. But do not think I was rich, and because of that I did not take the money. I lived on charity. Frequently I spun flax, but I had an insatiable longing and an irresistible passion for wallowing in the mud. That was life for me. I considered life to be any kind of desecration of nature. So I lived. And then once in the summer I saw a big crowd of Libyans and Egyptians hurrying towards the sea. I asked a passerby, where are those people hurrying? He answered me, they are all off to Jerusalem for the elevation of the Honorable Cross, which, as is customary, will take place in a few days. I said to him, won't they take me with them? Nobody will stop you if you have money for the passage and provisions. I said to him, in fact, I have neither money nor provisions, but I will go aboard one of the ships and they will feed me whether they want to or not. I have a body, they can take that instead of money for my passage. 
And I wanted to go, forgive me, Father, so that I could have more lovers to satisfy my desire. I told you, Father Zosima, not to force me to tell you of my shame. God knows that I am afraid that I am even defiling you with the air with my words. Zosima watered the earth with tears and answered her, her, For God's sake, my mother, go on, go on speaking, and don't break the thread of such an edifying story. Then she continued her story and said, When that young man heard my shameless words, he laughed and went away. But I, throwing down my distaff, with which at that time I used to carry about with me, ran to the sea where I could see that everyone else was hurrying. And seeing that some young men standing on the shore, about ten or more in number, full of strength and agile in their movements, I thought them suitable for my purpose. It seemed that some of them were waiting for more travelers, while others had gone into the ship. Brazenly, as always, I intruded into their company. Take me also, I said. With you where you are sailing, you won't find me useless. And I added other words, worse words, which made everybody laugh. And when they saw how ready I was for infamy, they took me and led me to their ship. The others came for whom they had been waiting, and immediately we started on our journey. How shall I tell you, man, what happened then? What tongue can tell? What ear comprehend? What took place on the ship during its voyage? And to add to all of this, I forced wretches even against their will. There is no kind of depravity which can be expressed or not expressed in words of which I was not the teacher for these wretches. I am amazed, Father, how the sea bore with our dissipation, how the earth did not open its jaws, and hell did not swallow me alive for ensnaring so many souls. But I think God sought my repentance. He does not want the death of a sinner, but generously waits for his conversion. In this kind of work, we reached Jerusalem. All the days I spent in the city before the feast, I occupied myself in the same way, if not worse. I was not satisfied with the young men who I had at sea who helped my journey, but I seduced many others to this business, citizens and strangers. The holy day of the elevation of the cross came, and I was still chasing, hunting young men. At dawn, I saw that everyone was hurrying to church. So I also began to run with the others. I reached the entrance of the church with them. When the hour came for the holy elevation, I pushed and was squeezed in the crowd, forcing its way to the doors. With great labor and effort, I, a poor wretch, squeezed myself right up to the very doors of the church at which the crowd would be shown the life-giving tree. But when I stepped onto the threshold of the doors over which everyone else was freely going in, some kind of power held me back, not allowing me to go in. I was pushed back again and found myself standing lonely in the entrance. Thinking that this happened to me because of my womanly weakness, I again, mingling with the crowd, started to elbow my way through through to the front, but I labored in vain. Once more, my foot touched the threshold over which the others were crossing into the church without meeting any obstacle. But only me, ill-fated, the church would not receive. It was as, as if a detachment of soldiers were posted to forbid my entry. So did some mighty power hold me back, and again I stood in the entrance. Three, four times I repeated this, 
and in the end I was tired and had no more strength to push and be pushed. I stepped aside and stood in the corner of the entrance, and with difficulty I began to understand the reason for bidding me seeing the life-giving cross. The word of salvation touched the eye of my heart and showed me that it, the impurity of my actions obstructed my entrance. I began to weep and grieve, beating my breast and groaning from the depths of my heart. I stood and wept and saw above me the icon of the Most Holy Mother of God. And I said to her, not taking my eyes off her, O Virgin, Lady, who gave birth to the Word of God in the flesh, I know, I know that it is not proper for me, foul and corrupt, to look upon your icon, O ever-Virgin, O pure one, who kept your body and soul pure and unblemished. Corrupt as I am, it would only be right for me to make your purity full of hatred and repugnance. But if, as I have heard, God became man, born of you, to call sinners to repentance, help me in my loneliness, for I have no help from anywhere. Command the entrance into the church to be open to me. Do not, deprive, do not deprive me of the chance of looking upon the tree on which God in the flesh, born of you, was nailed and shed his own blood to redeem me. <clears throat> but command, my lady, the door to be open, even to me, for the holy worship of the cross. And I call upon you to be my guarantor of hope before God, your Son, that never again shall I defile this body with shameful fornication. But as soon as I see the tree of cross of your Son, immediately I shall renounce the world and everything that is in the world and shall go where you, O guarantor of salvation, order me to go and lead me. This is what I said, and as if gaining some hope from my burning faith and trusting in the mercy of the Mother of God, I left the place where I had stood praying. And again I went and joined the crowd going into the church, and now no one pushed nor pushed me away. Nobody hindered my going near the doors. I was possessed by fear and distraction, and I shook all over and trembled, having reached the doors which were out of my reach before. It was as if all the power which had been against me before was now clearing the way for me. I went in without difficulty. Finding myself inside the holy place, and favor was granted me to look on the life-giving cross and the mysteries of God, and I saw how the Lord accepts repentance. I fell prostrate and bowing down to that holy ground, I, poor wretch, ran to the door, hastening to my guarantor. I came back to the place where I had signed the undertaking of my vow. And kneeling before the ever-Virgin Mother of God said these words to her, O merciful lady, you have shown through me your love of mankind. You did not reject the prayers of one unworthy. I have seen the glory which we unhappy ones rightly do not see. Glory to God who accepts through you the repentance of sinners. What more is there for me, a sinner, to remember, to remember or say? It is time, O lady, to fulfill my vow according to your pledge. Now lead me wherever you command. Now be for me the teacher of salvation. Lead me by the hand along the way of repentance. At these words I heard a voice from on high. If you cross the Jordan, you shall find glorious peace. Hearing that voice and believing that it sounded for me, I began to weep and called out to the Mother of God, O oh, my Lady, my Lady, do not desert me. With these words I left the entrance of the church and hastily set out on my journey.
Somebody at the door looked at me and then gave me three pieces of money saying, Take them, mother. On this money given to me, I bought three loaves and took them with me for my journey as a blessed offering. I asked the man who sold the bread, Where is the road to the Jordan? I was shown the city gates leading in that direction, and I ran out of them and weeping set out on my journey. I asked away from people I met and walked for the rest of the day. I think it was the third hour when I saw the cross. At last, at sunset, I reached the church of St. John the Baptist near the Jordan. Having prayed in the church, I immediately went down to the Jordan and wetted my face and hands in its holy water. I made my communion the most pure and life-giving mysteries of the ch- in the church of the forerunner and ate half a loaf, having drunk water out of the Jordan. I spent the night on the ground. In the morning, having found a little boat, I crossed to the other side and again prayed my guide to lead me wherever she pleased. I found myself in the desert, and since that time until this day, I withdraw and run. I live here clinging to my God who saves those who turn to him from faint-heartedness and tempest. Zosima asked her, How many years, my lady, have passed since the time when you began to live in the desert? The woman answered, Forty-seven years, already it seems to me since I left the holy city. Zosima asked her, What food have you found, my lady? The woman said, I had two and a half loaves when I crossed the Jordan. Soon they dried up and became hard. Eating a little at a time, I finished them. Zosima asked, Have you really lived so painlessly throughout so many years, not suffering from such a violent change? The woman answered, You are asking me about something of which I dread to speak. If I recall to my mind all the dangers I overcame, all the wild thoughts confusing me, I am afraid that they might attack me again. Zosima said, Do not hide anything from me, my lady. I ask you to tell me everything without hiding anything. She then said to him, Believe me, Father, seventeen years I spent in this desert fighting with wild beasts, frenzied desires. As soon as I started to eat any food, I longed for meat, for fish, of which there is a great deal in Egypt. I longed for wine, so much loved by me. I drank a lot of wine when I lived in the world. Here I did not have even water when I burned terribly with thirst and was exhausted. Also, there used to come to me mad longing for lewd songs, troubling me sorely and suggesting I should sing devilish songs which I had once learned. But I immediately, in tears, I beat my breast and reminded myself of the vow which I gave when I went away into the desert. I returned mentally to the icon of the Mother of God who had accepted me. I called to her, imploring her to chase away the thoughts assailing my unhappy soul. When, however, I had wept my fill, beating my breast with all my strength, I saw light shining around me from all sides, and at last protracted peace would take the place of distraction. And as for the thoughts pushing me again to harlotry, how can I tell you about them, Father? A fire would light in me my unhappy heart and set me all on fire and awaken the thirst for embraces. But as soon as this thought came, I would throw myself in the ground and water it with tears, as if I saw before me my guarantor appearing to me in my disobedience and threatening me with punishment for my crime. And I did not get up from the ground, 
Sometimes I lay there day and night until that sweet light shone around me and drove away the thoughts storming in me. But I always directed my eyes of re- directed the eyes of reason to my guarantor, beseeching help as I drowned in the waves of the desert. And it was she who helped me, and it was she who accepted my repentance. And so I lived seventeen years in the midst of thousands of dangers. From that time to this, my advocate helps me in everything, and in fact leads me by the hand. Zosima asked her, But did you really not lack food and clothing? She answered, Having finished the loaves of which I have spoken, for seventeen years I fed on whatever grew and anything which can be found in the desert. As for the clothes in which I crossed the Jordan, they were quite torn and worn out. I suffered a great deal from cold and a great deal from summer heat. First the sun scorched me, then I froze, trembling from the cold and often falling on the ground. I lay without breath or movement. I fought with as many assaults and terrible temptations. But from that time until now, the power of God in many different ways guarded my sinful soul and humble body. When I think from what evils that the Lord delivered me, I have incorruptible food, the hope of salvation. I feed on and cover myself with the word of God, Lord of all. For not by bread alone will man live, and all those having no clothes will be clothed in stone, having discarded the outer covering of sin. Zosima, hearing her quote words from the scriptures from Moses and Job, asked her, And you have read the Psalms, my lady, and the other books? But she smiled at this and said to the elder, Believe me, I have not seen a human face since the time I crossed the Jordan except for you today. I have not seen an animal or any living creature since the time I knew this desert. I never learned from the books. I have never even heard anyone singing or saying them. But the word of God, living and active, teaches itself, itself teaches knowledge to man. That is the end of my story telling. But as I asked at the beginning, so now I implore you by the incarnation of God, the word, to pray to the Lord for me, a sinner. Having said this and made an end to her story, she made a prostration. And the elder exclaimed with tears, Blessed is God who has done great and wonderful deeds, glorious and marvelous without end. Blessed is God who has shown me how he bestows gifts on those who fear him. In truth, O Lord, you do not abandon those who seek you. But she restrained the elder and would not allow him to prostrate and said, Of everything you have heard, man, I implore you through the Savior Christ our God to tell no one until God releases me from the earth. Now go in peace, and you will see me again next year, and I shall see you, if the Lord preserve you in his mercy. (coughs) But, servant of God, do what I shall now ask of you. In the great fast next year, do not cross the Jordan as is your custom in the monastery. Zosima was astonished to hear that she even told him the rule of the monastery and said nothing else except, Glory be to God who bestows great things on those who love him. But she said, Stay in the monastery, Father, and even if you do not want to go out, it will not be possible for you. At sunset, however, of the holy day of of the mysterious supper, take from me the life-giving body and blood of Christ in a holy vessel worthy of such mysteries and bring it, and wait for me on the bank of the Jordan, 
on the inhabited side so that I can receive and make my communion with the life-giving gifts. Since the time when I made my communion in the church of the forerunner before crossing the Jordan and to this day, I have not approached the sacrament, and now I hunger for it with a love which cannot be restrained. That is why I beg and implore you to fulfill my request. Bring me the life-giving and divine mysteries at that hour when the Lord made his disciples communicate of the Holy Supper. As for Father John, the abbot of the monastery in which you live, tell him the following. Be mindful of yourself and your flock. Something is happening here which needs correction. But I do not want you to tell him this now, but when the Lord directs you, pray for me. At these words, she disappeared into the depths of the desert. As for the Zosima, he fell on his knees and bowed down to the ground on which her feet had stood, and he gave glory and thanks to God. And once again, having passed through this desert, he returned to Tile Monastery on the very day when the monks returned there. He kept quiet all the year, not daring to tell anyone of what he had seen. But to himself, he prayed God to show him once again the long-for face. He was tormented and anguished in thinking, how long a year drags, and he wished that if it were possible, the year would shorten to one day. When the Sunday did come, which starts the Holy Fast, everybody went out immediately into the desert with the customary prayers and singing of psalms. But he was kept back through illness. He lay in a fever. And Zosima remembered what the saint had said to him. And even if you do want to go out of the monastery, it will not be possible for you. Some days passed, and getting up from his illness, he stayed in the monastery. When the monks again returned and the day came of the mysterious supper, he did what he had been told to do. He took in a small chalice the most pure body and honorable blood of Christ our God. He put figs and dates in a basket and some lentils soaked in water. He left late in the evening and sat down on the bank of the Jordan, awaiting the coming of the saint. The holy woman delayed, but Zosima did not fall asleep. He did not move his eyes from the desert, waiting to see what he longed for. Sitting on the ground, the elder reflected to himself, Is it my unworthiness which has hindered her coming? Or has she been, and not finding me, gone back? In saying this, he began to weep, and having begun to weep, he groaned. And raising his eyes to heaven, he began to pray to God, Grant me, O Lord, to see again what you once granted to me. May I not go empty away, bearing with me the witness of my sin. Having prayed so with tears, another thought struck him. He said to himself, And what will happen if she does come? There is no boat. How will she cross the Jordan to me, unworthy one? Oh, I am pitiful, wretched. Who has denied me, and deservedly such a blessing? And even while the elder was thinking, the holy woman appeared and stood on the bank of the river on the side from which she had come. Zosima got up, rejoicing and glad and glorifying God. And again the thought seized him that she could not cross the Jordan. He saw that she had made the sign of the honorable cross over the Jordan, as he himself recounted the night was moonlit. And then forthwith she stepped on the water and moving over the waves came towards him. And when he wanted to prostrate, she, prostrate, she forbade him, calling out, still walking on the water, What are you doing, Father? 
You are a priest and you are carrying the divine gifts. He submitted to her and she, coming on the bank, said to the elder, Bless, Father, bless. He answered her, trembling. Distraction had overcome him on seeing the miraculous occurrence. In truth, God did not lie when he promised that we should become like him in the measure of the strength of our purification. Glory to you, O Christ our God, for showing me through this your servant how far I am from perfection. The woman now asked him to say the Holy Creed in the Our Father. He began, she finished the prayer, and according to custom, gave the elder the kiss of peace on his lips. Having made her communion of the life-giving mysteries, she raised her hands to heaven and sighed and exclaimed with tears, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Then she said to the elder, Forgive me, Father, and fulfill my other wish. Go to the monastery now, and may the blessing of God keep you. And next year, come again to the stream where I first met you. Come for God's sake, and you will see me again, for this is the will of God. He answered her, I should like to follow you all the day long and always see your holy face. Grant one request of an old man, and take a little food for which I have brought you. And with these words, he showed her the basket. She, however, touching the lentils with the tips of her fingers and taking three grains, raised them to her lips, saying that the grace of the Spirit prevails to preserve unblemished the nature of the soul. And again she said to the elder, Pray for God's sake, pray for me, and remember me who am the wretched one. And he touched the feet of the saint and asked her prayers for the church, for the empire, and for himself. He let her go with tears and went away groaning and grieving, for he did not hope to conquer the unconquerable. And she again, having made the sign of the cross over the Jordan, stepped on the water and walked on it as before. And the elder returned, filled with both joy and fear, reproaching himself that he had not thought of finding out the saint's name. But he hoped to put this right the following year. So when a year had gone by, again he went into the desert, having done everything according to custom, and he hurried towards the miraculous site. Having walked through the desert and seeing already some indications that this was the place he was making for, he looked to the right, he looked to the left, and he turned his eyes in all directions, as if, as if he were a huntsman wanting to catch a much coveted animal. But seeing no movement anywhere, again he began to weep bitterly. And looking up to heaven, he began to pray, Show me, O Lord, your pure treasure which you have hidden in the desert. I beseech you, show me the angel in the flesh of whom the world is not worthy. Having prayed so, he came to the place which looked like a stream. On the other side, facing the rising sun, he saw the saint lying dead. Her hands were folded, as is proper, and her face turned to the east. Running up to her, he watered the feet of the Blessed One with tears. He dared not touch her otherwise. He wept for some time and said the appropriate psalms, then the prayer for the dead, and then he wondered to himself, is it right to bury the holy body, or would that be displeasing to her? And then he saw her at her head the words traced on the earth, Father Zosima, bury in this place the body of Mary, humble Mary, return dust to dust, having prayed to the Lord for me who, who died on the first day of the Egyptian month of Farmudi, called April by the Romans, 
on the same night as the Lord's Passion, after making her communion of the Divine and Mysterious Supper. Having read what was written, the elder was very happy to know the name of the saint. He realized that as soon as she had made her communion of the Divine Mysteries, she was immediately transported from the Jordan to the place where she died. That journey, which took Zosima with difficulty 20 days, Mary covered in an hour, then at once passed on to God. Glorifying God and shedding tears on the body, he said, It is time, Zosima, to fulfill the command, but how, O wretch, are you going to dig out a grave with nothing in your hands? At this he saw not far away quite a small piece of wood thrown down in the desert. Picking it up, he set it to digging the ground, but the ground was dry and would not yield to the efforts of the elder. He grew tired. He poured with sweat. He sighed from the depths of his soul and, raising his eyes, saw a big lion standing on the, by the saint's body and licking her feet. When he saw the lion, he trembled from fear, particularly because he remembered Mary's words that she had never seen any animals. But protecting himself with the sign of the cross, he believed that he would be kept unharmed by the power of her who lay there. As for the lion, it walked up to him, expressing friendliness in every movement. Zosima said to the lion, The Great One ordered that her body should be buried, but I am too old and have not strength to dig out her grave. I have no spade, and I cannot go back all that distance to fetch suitable tools. So you do the work with your claws, and we shall give the earth the mortal tabernacle of the saint. He was still speaking when the lion had already dug out with its front paws a hole big enough to bury the body. Again, the elder washed the feet of the saint with tears, and then in the presence of the lion, calling upon her to pray for all, he covered her body with earth. It was naked as it had been before, not covered with anything except the torn monastic cloak which Zosima had thrown across to her, and in which Mary, turning away, had partially covered her body. And then they both withdrew. The lion went into the depths of the desert as if it were a lamb. Zosima went home, blessing and glorifying Christ. On reaching the monastery, he told the monks everything, not hiding anything of what he had heard and seen. From the very beginning, he told them everything in detail, and all marveled to hear God's miracles. And in fear and love, they kept the memory of the saint. As for Abbot John... He did find a few in the monastery in need of correction, so that none of the saint's words proved fruitless or inexplicable. And Zosima died in that same monastery when he was nearly a hundred years old. The monks preserved this story without writing it down, offering it to anyone who wanted to hear it as a pattern for their edification. <coughs> but nobody has heard of anyone writing it down to this day. But I have told in writing what I have heard orally. Perhaps others have also described the life of the saint and, his, and much better and more worthily than I have, although this has not come to my notice. But I also, as far as it lies in my power, have written down this account and have put truth before everything else. And may God, who renders great things to those who seek him, grant benefit to those who read this story as a reward for him whom he ordered to write it. May he condescend to accept him into that same company and assembly where dwells the Blessed Mary, 
about whom this story is, together, together with and those who with throughout the generations have pleased him with godly thoughts and labors. And let us all glorify God, King of all the generations, that he may vouchsafe his mercy to us, also at the day of judgment in Christ Jesus our Lord, to whom is due all glory, honor, and worship, together with the Father, without beginning, and the most holy and blessed and life-giving Spirit, now and always, and forever and ever. Amen. The prayers of our Holy Father, hearing in Egypt, God mercy us, O Lord, and save the Amen. You have been listening to the Bellman Forum Podcast, a devotional episode on the life of St. Mary of Egypt. Production of this episode was underwritten by an anonymous donor that asks you to say a rosary daily. If you would like to underwrite production of this podcast, contact the forum using a contact form on the website, bellarminforum.org, or call us. If you're touched by today's episode, say Hail Mary for us. Do your penance. Do some new penance. I'm not saying go out in the desert. We don't need to go out in the desert, but maybe... Maybe being out in the desert means, uh, I don't know what it means today. Is there a desert left that you could be like Mary of Egypt? This podcast is a production of the Bellman Forum, formerly known as the Wanderer Forum Foundation. Founded in 1965 on the heels of Vatican II as a faithful enclave of Catholic faith without all the progressive modernist confusion. Our producer sits at the right hand of his father and will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Our executive director made all things visible and invisible. Our technical director is an unnamed angel assigned to us by the producer per show. The Bellarmine Forum is a nonprofit public charity and all donations are tax deductible to the maximum extent permitted by law. This show is copyrighted by the Bellarmine Forum 2019. To the greater glory of God and the honor of his blessed mother.